0: Hello and thanks for logging on. My name is Cassandra Banks and I'm the President of the Law Society of New South Wales. Today I'm talking about the importance of sole practitioners planning for a future for their practice in the event something unexpected was to happen. To discuss that I'm here with the Law Society's External Intervention Solicitor David Viney. Hi David. Hi Cassandra. So David, can you tell us a bit about the work you do for the Law Society of New South Wales in contingency planning and external intervention for legal practices?
1: Sure. In regard to contingency planning, I've been involved in presenting a number of courses and presentations at a number of CPDs and presidential visits in regard to contingency planning for law firms that mainly, of course relates to sole practitioners, but all solicitors should keep it in mind uh, at various stages of their career. Um, External intervention, I become involved in law firms when a practitioner becomes unavailable and the act sets out when that occurs. Unfortunately, the overwhelming matters that I have, or the number of matters that I have are because a sole practitioner passes away and does not leave in place any plans for the future of his or her legal practice. And that involves uh, effectively taking over the running of the practice and determining what the practitioner either intended or what the practitioner's estate wants, uh, is either winding the practice down, selling the practice, or taking other steps in regard to enabling the practice to either continue or to be wound up and discontinued.
0: So contingency and succession planning is very important for solicitors. We know this. What have been some of the consequences you've seen when this hasn't been done or hasn't been done properly in a legal practice?
1: The consequences have been very significant. Um, One can imagine in practice... If you were not there the day after, uh, what would happen? Now, it's pretty easy to imagine that I would come in or, or a privately appointed manager would have to physically come in, find out how the practice is run, no doubt gain access to your computer system, gain access to your safe, gain access to the various platforms that you may use, and, of course, without having details of login, passwords, locations, that can be quite catastrophic. Um, The the simpler way around it is a number fold. Firstly, we have in in place a form of appointment of a nominated personal representative. Um, A lot of practitioners don't know about that or know about it and have not been able to effectively complete the form. But ideally, if an NPR is in place, then you nominate who should represent you and wisely spoken to them beforehand so that they know what you want to happen to your practice. It's um, most effective if you, of course, speak with your NPR uh, and then uh, advise that person of where everything is, uh, how the practice runs, what's involved. and overall, give that person instructions as what you want to do with regard to the practice.
0: And you mentioned the acronym just then, NPR, and that stands for Nominated Personal Representative.
1: That's right, and, and it's available on our website, or if you to contact us, we'll email you a copy. It's not a complicated document; it can be as um, detailed as you choose. It's not. Uh, it's not, you know. Uh, to last forever, so it can be changed at any time, it can be limited, it, so on and so forth. But it is a very, very useful um, short term contingency uh, plan. So um, I recommend that every sole practitioner, especially, should complete that and advise the NP, the, your nominated personal representative, as to what you want to happen and discuss all of the matters we've just gone over in regard to running the practice.
0: So when you get a notification here at the Law Society that someone's unable to manage their practice, what are the practical next steps that you have to do in the initial stages?
1: Uh, We would, generally we receive a notification from someone involved in the practice or involved with the person who is no longer available. We then need to get the details of um, where the practice is, uh, what it's doing Um, contact any relevant uh, parties, such as the accountants, the landlords, and then we start uh, working out who's going to be appointed as the manager of the practice. Um, Physically, that requires us preparing a memorandum to the council. The council meets, I think, once a month. Um, And the memorandum hopefully recommends the appointment of a manager. Sets out the details and circumstances surrounding the practitioner becoming unavailable. And the council will hopefully adopt that um, memorandum. An appointment is made. A notice is prepared for the relevant parties. And then the, appoint- the appointment comes into effect. The manager then has to uh, go into the practice and firstly gain control of the trust account, if there is one, uh, gain control of the, the, the bank uh, accounts of the practice Uh, gain control of the various platforms it may use, PEXA, LEAP, Smokeball, um, and then put in place the operation of the appointment to uh, wind down the practice. If it becomes opportune to sell the practice and a purchase is available, then proceed that way. Uh, But otherwise, as um, agreed between uh, the manager and the estate or the representative of of the practitioner...
0: Have you got some examples when you've gone into a practice? Are there any particularly memorable situations that you've had to deal with?
1: Uh, I generally do a presentation with um, the Deputy Director, Ellen McKenzie, and we tell the tale of two practices. Uh, one which was extremely well-operated and run and um, and we, I took over the practice, and it was a mainly conveyancing practice, but it did do a, a bit of other work. But it was so immaculately kept that, or, or operated that it was so simple to take management because it became in apparent straight away what stage all of the files were at, what was required of them, um, con- how to contact clients, w- at what stage conveyances were at, and it was very simply um, operated to get them at the, the practice uh, wound up. Uh, the other side of the story is I had a, a widow contact me and said, I've got my husband's practice in uh, a number of boxes, I'll deliver them to you. And she parked up in Macquarie Street with about seven Ikea bags just full of loose documents. And that was about 12 months ago and we're still trying to work out what it all means. So the, the lesson in there is be as meticulous and accurate as you can as practitioners generally are but um, although those bags of documents may have made some sense to the practitioner to do anyone else so just that bags of loose pieces of paper. So the first tip is to keep as meticulous records as you can especially file notes Details of transactions, details of cases, diaries as to what's coming up, um, which are generally uh, as part of running a practice in any event. But the, the more accurate, the better for anyone that has to come in and take it over.
0: Yeah. So sole principals they're particularly vulnerable to disruption if they haven't got that contingency plan in place because more often they're not they're the only people who can sign off on a PEXA conveyancing transaction. Exactly. Um, they're the only people on the court record, and so that's really why we're here today to show just how important it is to put this contingency plan in place.
1: Indeed. And
0: so, where can people go to ensure that they do their planning thoroughly and correctly?
1: Well, um, firstly, they have to think about it, and, and of course, no one wants to think about it. Strangely, we spend our careers telling people about enduring guardianships and enduring powers of attorney and drafting wills and spending a lot of time at our clients' instructions, doing those things, yet we you know, seem to not think about it ourselves. So the first stage is to think about it. There is a uh, assistance on our website. There's a checklist uh, for uh, what you need to do if you're thinking of uh, winding down practice or you're thinking of retirement. But in the meantime, it's best to have a nominated person representative in place, which, as I say, can be changed at any time, just so that there's no, you know, difficulty should unfortunate things happen in the meantime. Um, but you need to speak with your family, you need to speak with your staff, you need to have a plan as to what you want to do. And what you would like to happen if uh, the decision's taken away from you. So, firstly, consider what where you should go from here, but take steps um, the physical steps to put in place some plan uh, for the succession of your practice.
0: And it's also possible to find another local practitioner in the area who has more experience in succession planning if you're worried about that, and you can get some really good advice on how to
1: handle your business going forward. And, and it- Indeed. Financial planners you know, a great source of uh, advice in that regard. Um, I know it's difficult to forecast future practice and future solicitors' um, advantages and disadvantages, but uh, it, it just needs to be thought about at first instance, and then um, it's not difficult to get a bank of people who you should get some advice from and, and work out how you want to proceed in the future.
0: And there's also a link to the checklist in the Monday Briefs email dated the 13th of November 2023. And it can also be found on the lawsociety.com.au website. So how long would it take to complete that checklist, do you think?
1: At the very least half an hour, I mean, the more detail you want in there, then then longer, but it's it's a very short process. But but firstly, decide what you want to do and what you, you would like your practice to do, uh, and then you can go through that, and it's it's fairly easy to follow.
0: So it sounds like the key to this is having a difficult conversation in the first instance.
1: Oh, indeed, and having a difficult thought process yourself. I mean, it, it's it's human nature, I guess, or. Or it could be any reason, but we just don't seem to approach it, and we should. It's very, very important.
0: Absolutely, and it gives certainty to families. It gives certainty to clients, and it saves the, the Law Society having to appoint potentially a stranger to exactly. your practice, yeah. and and your clients will certainly benefit from having someone who's a bit more familiar with yes. the area that your practice is based in. Everyone will yeah,
1: be able to... And it's a, such a tragic time, mostly, Um, which means that uh, people are at their most fragile and these are things that, on top of everything else, would be a real burden to have to then say, oh, hang on, he had a law practice. What are we going to do with that? So um, it's important and does provide relief at a time when things are very awful.
0: Well, thank you so much, David. And as I said at the start, David is the Law Society's external intervention solicitor. And if you have any questions... Uh, reach out to the Law Society because we're always happy to assist practitioners, particularly in the area of planning for the future with their sole practices.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much, Cassie.